Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Today's topic is self-sabotage. Yep, we are going there because this is something that I hear over and over again in my practice. Why do I keep sabotaging myself? Why can't I just do what I say I want to do? And maybe you guys can resonate with that question as well because I know I can. You know, there have been plenty of times where I set myself up with a goal that I want to accomplish. And then before I know it, I am doing the exact opposite. So we're gonna talk all about it today. We're gonna talk about why it happens, some of our triggers, and then of course, I'm gonna give you some things to work on so that you can have that integrity that you're desiring, where you follow through with what you say you wanna do. And I'm not even going to pretend that it's not going to be some work. It is going to be a little bit of work because anything new in the beginning is a little harder. It takes a little bit more focus and attention and work, but our goal through this podcast and through, you know, maybe even working with either myself or one of my teammates at Body Metrics is, you know, we're going to do this together. And so we're going to talk it out. We're going to talk about our challenges. And then we're going to talk about solutions and how we can move forward so that, you know, we can stop talking about sabotage and actually start taking action steps to decreasing it. And guys, remember, that's how progress works. Progress is not a light switch that you just turn off and on right? It takes practice and a little bit of regression from time to time. Regression doesn't mean you're doing it wrong and you're a bad person. Regression just means you're human and we fall to the wayside every once in a while. It's what you do after you fall that is going to have the most profound impact on your success. Do you get back up and how quickly do you get back up? I know for me, I always think I'm going to get back up very quickly. (laughs) That's the goal. Sometimes I need these life lessons a few times to really sink in. So feel free to listen to this podcast as many times as possible until it sinks in for you. I know I can be pretty stubborn at times. And it's funny too, just a quick um, side note. I notice it so much in my kids. Like for those of you that are parents, do you do you sometimes cringe when your kids act exactly the way you do? Um, you know, I, as you know, I've got five of them. I've got three boys and then I have twin girls. And yes, I will fully admit I am one of those people that tried one more time for a girl. I convinced my husband, like just one more time. And he's like, I don't know about this. And then it ended up being twins and they were both girls. And another side note from that, I'm laying in the recovery room after the C-section from having the twins. And 
they were born very early. They were born at 30 weeks and Jim had to go to the NICU or at least I sent him there. I'm like, you go follow the girls. I'll be fine. And, um, he said, okay, I'll catch up with you in a little bit. So he comes to me in that recovery room and he's like, what do you think about all this? I'm like, what do I think about what? He's like two girls. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? What is that supposed to mean? He's like, well, maybe one girl, but two. And I honestly, I'm like, am I hopped up on anesthesia still? Like, it's not like we can take one of these girls back. Like, they are both ours, and they are coming home with us. He was just like, oh, I don't know about girls. <laughs> I'm like, well, you better figure it out because, you know, they're ours, and they're not, they're not going anywhere. But guys, if I can just tell you, my boys are, you know, they're, they're nuts. They work, they fight, you know, but they're easy. Compared to these girls who have tantrums and opinions and, you know, my daughter didn't talk to me today because she didn't like the answer I gave in regards to her going over to a friend's house. And so now she's not talking to me. So I will let you know. I'll give you updates in future episodes if that changes. But for today, we're not having conversations because she is stubborn. But that's a quick side note. Let's get back to task. Let's start talking about self-sabotage because that's why you guys tuned in today. So what exactly is self-sabotage? You know, for a lot of us, it's our go-to technique for coping with challenging situations. Or it's how we deal with stress or even unrealistic expectations of ourselves. And so when we're put in a position that doesn't feel comfortable and we don't know what to do, we end up you know, doing the one thing that we don't want to do long term. And for those of you listening to this podcast, for most of you, that's eating. And so self-sabotage, it can originate from a couple different things. It can originate from ideas and thoughts that you acquire during childhood. Um, it can originate from a lack of self-confidence or self-worth or self-belief. For some people, it's a direct result of FOMO. Are we still using that word, FOMO? Fear of missing out? You know, for a lot of us, we'll be in a situation where, okay, we're going to do good. I'm going to use the example of weight loss because I think that's probably the easiest one for today. All right, I'm going to lose weight. And then we go, you know, to a party and there are cookies. And we're like, oh, what if those cookies are the best cookies that have ever been baked. And if I don't eat one right now, I'm going to miss out on this experience. And I think deep down, we know logically that they're probably not the best cookies ever. But in that moment, when everybody else is eating cookies, and they look so good, and they smell so good, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just absolutely need one of these cookies, or I'm going to miss out on this amazing experience. Right? Has that ever happened to any of you guys? I know it happened to me. Or like if my kids want to go out for ice cream and I'm not really hungry for ice cream, but I don't want to miss out on the family time or the opportunity to eat ice cream because, you know, what if I don't have this opportunity again? What if we don't have ice cream for a couple weeks? You know, it's, it's interesting what the mind can do and how it can trick you into believing there's urgency when there's none. Right? I mean, I'm an adult. 
I can go get ice cream anytime I want. But in those moments, the thoughts that I come up with and the story that I tell myself, it's pretty ridiculous. But in the moment, it feels true. And typically, that's what we go with, whatever feels true in the moment. So there's a couple reasons why we self-sabotage. But honestly, let's just break it down. You know, for a lot of us, we come up with a goal. And again, let's use the example of weight loss. And then a moment is going to come by and we're going to decide that we want whatever that thing is in the moment more than we want our weight loss goal. That's literally what happens. We have a goal. We have something we're, you know, setting our minds out to accomplishing. And then all of a sudden a better, and I'll put better in air quotes, a better option comes along. And in that moment, that better option feels like we have to participate. We have to give in. We have to, you know, we have to have it. And it happens so quickly, we barely even realize what is happening. And I think for me, for such a long time, I used to always blame the environment. Well, if they didn't bring soft pretzels in at work, I would be fine. Or if I didn't have the cookies in the house, I would be okay. And honestly, it has nothing to do with the environment. It has nothing to do with that specific food. It is all about your thoughts about that food. It's all about the story that you're creating in your head in that moment that makes you want to walk away from your goal. Yeah. Oh, those soft pretzels are so warm and they smell so good. And, and I haven't had a soft pretzel in so long. And you start creating these dramatic stories around why you need to have the soft pretzel. The soft pretzel is doing nothing to you. It is not sabotaging you. It's your thoughts about the soft pretzel. It's the story that you're creating in your head to justify why you need that immediate gratification. So a couple things about that. First and foremost, I want you to know that there is nothing wrong with you if those thoughts pop into your head. Like literally, you are not doomed for failure. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. (laughs) I think a lot of us are like, what is wrong with me? Why do I always do this to myself? Why can't I just think differently about this? Right? We think that there is something wrong with us, and I'm here to tell you there is nothing wrong with you at all. And it is perfectly normal to want a goal, but then also want the cookies more. There's nothing wrong with you that's just normal. And I don't want you to stress out when you have those moments because here's the deal. You just haven't learned how to want the goal more. You just haven't been taught that skill set yet. So you can't be angry or frustrated or annoyed with yourself when you haven't learned how to work through it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn how to work through it. Now, I know I've talked about this multiple times before in other podcasts. So feel free to listen to some of the other episodes where we talk about the brain. All right. So specifically, you have two parts of your brain that we want to focus on. We have the prefrontal cortex, which is in the front. This part of your brain is responsible for your goals, for logic, for forward thinking, um, for planning, 
all of those good things, your goal. So again, in this example, your goal of weight loss. And then we have a part of your brain in the back called the midbrain. And this part of your brain is responsible for immediate gratification and pain avoidance. So you're sitting at work and you have this goal, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to only eat the foods that I packed. I'm going to pack my lunch. I'm not going to go to the vending machine. I'm not going to go into the break room or wherever you're at. And then all of a sudden somebody walks through the office and says, Bob bought Bob bought soft pretzels. Who wants one? They're free. Oh gosh, when they're free, that makes them even more appealing, right? Even though you have a job that pays you, there's just something about free food that all of a sudden escalates the importance of it. Am I right? All right, so now all of a sudden, Bob brought uh, soft pretzels into the office, and now what are you going to do? Because now you want that soft pretzel. All right, the part of your brain in the front, the prefrontal cortex, says you have goals, but the midbrain, the part that's always responsible for immediate gratification and pain avoidance, that part wants the soft pretzel. And here's the problem. The midbrain always answers first. The midbrain will always answer first. And so you have a goal, but all of a sudden somebody brings soft pretzels into the office and the midbrain stands up, raises his hand, I want that. Like your prefrontal cortex doesn't even have the opportunity to be a participant in the conversation because the midbrain is loud and it's quick. And so what we need to do in this moment is learn how to slow down. Take a few breaths because breathing actually invites oxygen into the prefrontal cortex so it can be a participant in the conversation. But a lot of us, the moment the midbrain creates a thought or a response, I want the soft pretzel, we act on it. And we act on it very, very quickly because that is the only thought available to us in that moment. I hope this is making sense to you guys. All right. So if you want the goal setting part of your brain to be an active participant in the conversation and say, hey, I know you want the soft pretzel, but you also have been working really hard at this goal right now. Let's just take a breath and let's eat the food that we packed already. But that part of the brain doesn't jump in right away. It requires you to slow down to invite it to the conversation. So tip number one when it comes to self-sabotage is slow down. Just because you have a thought that pops into your head doesn't mean you have to act on it. In fact, I have this client, I think I shared this before, who um, was in rehab and he said the number one thing that they learned in rehab was first thought wrong. First thought wrong. Because that is the part of the brain that answers first. It's like, okay, first thought is wrong. Wait for it. Wait for it. Okay, here's another thought. Let's go with that one. So step number one is slow down. All right. We got four steps to go through. All right. So let's move on to step number two. Step number two is you need to learn your inner voice. And basically what I mean by that is what are you telling yourself in the moment 
that derails you from your long-term goal. And I think for a lot of us, that thought comes in a couple different forms. All right. So like we talked about earlier, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on the soft pretzel. I don't want to miss out on the ice cream. I don't want to be the only one not eating it. That could potentially be your voice. Um, Another thought that pops up is, well, I'm an emotional eater. This is just what I do. There was an episode I did a few episodes back called Why I Don't Like Adjectives. All right, because when you self-identify as a person, like an emotional eater, then anytime you have emotions, which is what? All day, you're going to think that you have to eat. So telling yourself you're an emotional eater is probably one of the quickest ways to self-sabotage. Another inner voice is, but dieting is just so hard. It's just so hard. Yeah, if you say it's hard, it's going to be hard because your brain is constantly going to be looking for ways to validate why it's hard. Another thought, another inner voice is, for some people, I'm just meant to be overweight. This is just who I am. This is just how it has to be. Maybe my parents are overweight or, you know, I'm just destined. It's in my genes. However you want to say it, whatever your voice is telling you to say why it's okay to jump ship from your long-term goals. That's what we're trying to identify. Um, I know for me, and we've talked about this before, is one of mine is I'll start tomorrow. When I hear myself say I'll start tomorrow, I know that is a huge red flag that I better pay attention slow down, start breathing or something, because if I continue in that trajectory, it's not going to end well. So it's being able to recognize what are you telling yourself in the moment that makes you want to abandon your goal. And then I'll say one more. And again, this is one that I struggle with a lot of times is I will tell myself, I just, I don't care. I just want to do what I want to do. Right? So again, we'll use our soft pretzel example. You know, oh, I have this goal. And, oh, somebody brought soft pretzels in. And you know what? I want it. I don't care. I'll just worry about it tomorrow. Right? They usually go together. I don't care. And I'll start tomorrow. Those usually piggyback each other. Those are mine. But you need to figure out what yours are. And for some of you, you don't know what your thoughts are because you're so busy beating yourself up from eating the food or overeating food, that you forgot to get curious why there's a thought there in the first place. So instead of beating yourself up and adding guilt and shame to the equation, because really it has no reason to be there, so might as well just stop that, is I want you to start getting curious. Well, what am I telling myself in the moment that is making me believe that this is true And why it's okay to derail myself or to sabotage myself, however you want to say it. That's what we need to be asking ourselves. What am I saying to myself? And some of you are like, I I have no clue what I'm saying to myself. Well, the easiest way to figure it out is to purposely put yourself into a challenging situation. And then just listen. Listen to all the things that come to the surface When you are itching to do something different, just sit there and listen. Listen to all the thoughts that pop into your brain in that moment. 
that will tell you exactly what your thoughts are. All right. So step one is we need to slow it down so we can invite the other part of our brain to the conversation. And number two, we've got to learn what our inner thoughts are. What is that inner voice telling you? If you don't know what it's saying, it's really going to be hard to, to do step number three. And step number three is we need to create a rebuttal. We need to create a helpful thought or a helpful story that can help you in that moment. So if you don't know what you're saying to yourself, it's going to be really hard to come up with the response that's appropriate and will work and will actually get you to think differently. So I told you before, one of the ones I say to myself that, or one that I've identified that I say to myself a lot is, I'll start tomorrow. I literally would tell myself, and it would be so quick. I almost didn't catch it. I really had to pay attention. And so now, when I hear the thought, I'll start tomorrow, what I tell myself is, you told yourself tomorrow yesterday. That is my rebuttal. That's my response. Guys, listen up here. What this comes down to is who gets the last word. Is it the thought that wants to derail you? Or is it the thought that can shut it down? So many of us have that initial thought that wants to derail us and we just let that thought rule us and rule our actions. If you are not prepared with a rebuttal, then the thought that gets the last word will be how you behave. Does that make sense? So really this comes down to who gets the last word. Is it the, the thought or is it the rebuttal? And depending on how many thoughts you have in different situations throughout the day, you may need a lot of rebuttals. And that's okay. Some of you may only need four or five rebuttals. Some of you may need 50. And let's be honest. Let's, let's not judge how many rebuttals you need. That's not what we're talking about here. Don't make needing more rebuttals a bad thing. All it means is you need a few more. Now. It doesn't mean you're always going to need all the rebuttals. Because what you repeat, your brain will eventually believe. And so if you tell yourself the rebuttals over and over and over again enough times, your brain will actually believe that that is truth. And it'll stop lobbying up all those other thoughts that aren't helpful. So tip number three is come up with your rebuttal that's helpful and that's appropriate to the thought that is causing the issue in the first place. And so how we do that is we pay attention. We write it out. And then next to that thought, you're going to rewrite the sentence. Guys, you get to rewrite the script. You do. You don't, if you don't like the script that's currently playing in your head, rewrite it. You get to do that. I know for me sometimes, I'm constantly praying, God, you got to change my heart. You got to change my thoughts because I can't do this on my own. I want to come up with different thoughts, but I need help. <coughs> Excuse me. So sometimes you can pray and that can be helpful too. All right, so those are the first three tips. Slow down, learn your inner voice, come up with your rebuttal. Tip number four 
is we need to reduce the triggers of self-sabotage. There's a lot of things that we do that set us up for sabotage. And so I just want to kind of go over some of them because these are things that, that we do often. We almost normalize them and um, we should be aware of it. When we do these things, it puts us in a, um, a position of where we can self-sabotage ourselves. So nine signs that you are self-sabotaging. Number one, you're a negative thinker. You're always focusing on the negative. You know, you're that person that, you know, maybe lost three pounds, but you're constantly focused on, but I still have 25 more to go. Somebody gives you a compliment. Hey, it looks, you know, your hair looks great. Yeah, but, you know, I really need to get it cut and it needs to be washed and it's so frizzy. Like if you're constantly downplaying the compliments and the positives, instead always looking for the negative, you're putting yourself in the position to self-sabotage. So don't do it. Somebody says something nice, say thank you. Just practice that. Uh, another sign that you could be self-sabotaging, you have a fear of failure, right? You want everything to be perfect all the time. And I think we just... We always come up with worst case scenario in our head and half the time, nothing even close comes to that. That actually happens. But in our head, we catastrophize. Uh, number three, you're a closet eater. You eat in secret. All right. I one time gave a talk and I said, every time you eat, make sure you're eating out, you know, in pub, not in public, but, you know, eating at the table, not behind the cupboard not in the bathroom. We usually aren't eating healthy foods in the bathroom. Let's be honest. There have been plenty of Halloween candy that I have consumed in the bathroom away from my kids because I didn't want to share. And I didn't want them to see me eating it. Um, number four, negative self-talk. How do you talk to yourself? Do you talk to yourself like you would talk to a four-year-old? If, if you don't, Let's try to change that. Let's try to say kind things. Kind things motivate. Shame, blame, guilt, all that. All it does is make us feel worse. Um, number five, we have an all or nothing mentality. Right? We either have to have it all perfect or it's all wrong. I think that's one that a lot of people fall into, that category. Um, number six, you label yourself as an emotional eater. We talked about that one already. Uh, seven, you focus on the past, the past failures. Well, I never was able to do this before, so I probably won't be able to do it again. You're setting yourself up for sabotage. Uh, we talked about catastrophizing, you know, or even over, over, I don't want to say overanalyzing, that's not the right word, um, but just overly focusing on the negative, like, I have so much to lose. I'm never going to be able to lose this weight. You know, I, you know, that person only has 25. I have 50 pounds. And they just focus on the hard and the negative. That usually is going to set you up for self-sabotaging. And then the last one is ex making excuses. Always blaming somebody else. Always blaming the circumstance. I like to tell my clients, listen, if you eat something, just tell me you ate it. Don't create some big dramatic story about what happened because at the end of the day, you didn't eat it. 
like I always say I would never be a good professor because I cannot tolerate anything being late. And I think that's just my personality. Well, not I think. I know it's my personality. Like I was that annoying kid in school that got her paper done a week in advance just in case there something would happen with the printer or just in case my computer would break down. I would always get things done ahead of time to give myself lots of, of wiggle room, right? And so I would have zero tolerance when I put in the work ahead of time for somebody to say, oh, my computer broke the night before and then not hand in an assignment that was, you know, given four weeks in advance. And so I say I would never make a good professor because like... I don't care. You know, at the end of the day, you didn't hand your assignment in. That is all I need to know. I don't need to know the background. I don't need to know the drama around it. <laughs> the other day, I had a client. I'm probably scaring you guys off. I don't mean to. But the other day, I had a client, and you know, he was giving me this long, drawn-out story about why he couldn't do it. And I told him maybe he should quit coaching the sport he did at school and join the drama team. <laughs> <laughs> he just looked at me for a second. Uh, I'm like, I'm just kidding, but actually I'm not. And he's just like, fair enough. You're right. He's like, I got to cu quit coming up with all these excuses of why I can't and just get it done. So those are nine signs that you could be setting yourself up for self-sabotage. Um, you know, the other thing I think about too is, you know, having those thoughts, I just have to work harder. I just need more discipline. I need to make myself do this. You know, those are also self-sabotaging thoughts because they require perfection. I just need more discipline. I have to have more. And I don't know about you, but when, you know, I just need more discipline, that's a very stressful statement to me. And because most people identify themselves as stress eaters, adding extra stress is not helpful. So watch your words. Watch what you're saying to yourself and how it makes you feel because you could be setting yourself up for sabotage. All right, guys. So we'll review one last time. We need to slow down. We need to learn our inner voice. Come up with your rebuttal. Who gets the last word? And then number four, we need to reduce the triggers that cause self-sabotage. All right. So that is your podcast today. Let's get to our recipe. So this recipe comes from the Bride and Groom Cookbook. I actually got this cookbook for a wedding present or maybe a, a bridal shower. I'm not quite sure. A um, lot of great recipes in here. I've, I haven't made a bad thing yet. Um, but one of my go-to recipes from this cookbook is an orzo salad with lemon, feta, and pine nuts. Guys, this is so good and it's perfect for picnics and parties over the summer because it's made with a vinaigrette versus mayonnaise so it can sit out and you don't have to worry about it going bad. Um, all right, I'm going to rattle off all the ingredients here. You need a quarter cup of olive oil, two tablespoons of fresh lemon juice, one and a half teaspoons of minced garlic, a half a teaspoon of dried oregano, a half a teaspoon of salt, an eighth a teaspoon of black pepper, a half a teaspoon of sugar, one cup of orzo, a quarter cup of pine nuts, a quarter cup of golden raisins, three tablespoons of 
finely chopped pitted black olives, three tablespoons of chopped red onion, a quarter cup of thinly sliced fresh basil, and two ounces of feta cheese. So I know it's a lot of ingredients, but it's a really simple recipe. You guys are going to love it. Uh, so the first thing we're going to do is make our dressing. So we're going to whisk together the olive oil, lemon juice, garlic, oregano, half a teaspoon of the salt, an eighth a teaspoon of pepper, and the sugar in a small bowl. And then once you mix that all together, you can go ahead and set that aside. And then you're going to bring a pot to a boil over high heat. Uh, it says to season the water with additional salt. I never do that. I don't think you need to do that. Why add more salt to recipes than needed? Um, and then you're basically just going to boil your orzo and cook it until it's tender, but yet still firm to the bite. So about eight to 10 minutes. Uh, you can also use your box as a guide to how long you should cook it. Um, and then what we want to do, because we're going to add layers of flavor, we're going to put the pine nuts in a dry skillet over medium low heat, and you're just going to toast the pine nuts. And you do that by, like I said, nothing in the pan, no oil. You just put your pine nuts in the pan and you just shake it continuously for about five minutes until they get that beautiful toasty brown color on them. Um, at that point, your orzo should be done cooking, so you want to go ahead and drain it and then add the dressing to the hot pasta and go ahead and give it a stir. All right, let that hot pasta absorb and soak in all those great flavors. And then once you cool that orzo to room temperature, then you can go ahead and add the toasted pine nuts, the raisins, the olives, the red onion, and the fresh basil. Um, stir that all together and then finally add the feta and lightly toss that and that is it uh, this dish can be made six to eight hours ahead of time just go ahead and cover and refrigerate it and then bring to room temperature before serving um, fun fact about me I hate olives so when I make this I definitely put the olives on the side and that way if you come to my house and you want this dish you can put the olives on yourself but I will be having it without all right, guys, that's all we got time for today. Thank you so much for listening, as always. If you found this episode helpful, feel free to share it. Um, or if you'd like, you can go ahead and rate it and review. That actually helps the podcast gain exposure so that we can help more people. So, all right, guys, have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, 